Hey folks, my name's Michael Coughlin, and I invite you to join me for each and every episode of Discourse, of course, an engaging return to the long-form interview in an age of ever-shortening attention spans. I'll explore the minds and careers of today's more interesting creators, thinkers, decision-makers, bean-counters, and worker bees. That's Discourse, of course, from your favorite podcast provider. This week's guest on Discourse, of course, is Jamie Bailey. Jamie is an emerging director with his primary field of experience coming from cinematography. He has worked on Age of the Living Dead, The Next Biggest Winner, and ELE, to name a few. This Was America is Jamie's first feature-length motion picture, and it debuted this month on Amazon Prime Video. We discussed the drawbacks of releasing a politically charged movie during a presidential election, taking advantage of the natural splendor of northern Ontario in terms of locations, and competing with mainstream filmmakers on a budget of less than a half a million dollars. Welcome, Jamie Bailey, to Discourse, of course. How are you? Good, Ben. How are you, Michael? I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, you and yours are safe during this uh, pandemic uh, exposure? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're both doing okay. My wife's a therapist, so uh, I'm stuck in another room while she does her uh, sessions virtually now. Uh, we have okay. a tiny place downtown Toronto, so it's been uh, eight months of that, so that's been interesting. Very good. We're here to discuss uh, your uh, latest motion picture known as This Was America, something I had the privilege of being a significant part of, and I really, really loved it. And I want to tell you, I'm a, first off, I'm a big fan. So <laughs> I, I don't know if that's going to affect my interview or not. <laughs> uh, where did you come up with this? Uh, I mean, first of all, tell people what the picture is about. Uh, so it basically depicts the United States uh, in 2030. And in this future, uh, Donald Trump, after this election, never left office. And uh, basically, it's the world that the United States is running as smoothly as you think it would 10 years from now if he's left in charge and never leaves. And uh, the story focuses on a father and daughter who were estranged. The dad is trying to reunite uh, his daughter back with his mother who's been deported. And they're making a run for the border uh, to secretly hop, hop the uh, hop the border into Canada to be re reunited with mom, with the bounty hunter uh, Michael, played by Michael, uh, who actually your your character doesn't actually have a name in the movie. Uh, you're hot on his tail to uh, to stop the whole thing from happening. That's it. In a nutshell. Leave it to the nameless bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah. And you did an uh, awesome. I have to say, uh, Michael's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Uh, you did a fantastic job. What what a find! What a find! I I found you, and I was like that guy, that guy. We need him. <laughs> well, thanks very much. And your your twenty dollars is in the mail, my friend. <laughs> uh, now it's an interesting story. In fact, how you found me, it was just almost randomly on a on a casting website, I guess. Yeah, uh, Mandy.com, which is a great, fantastic website that's all over the world. 
but in Toronto, it's fantastic because there's such a huge talent pool uh, in the city. Uh, so it's uh, not uh, as hard as you think to get uh, great talent like yourself. Uh, they're here. Uh, so, yeah, that's amazing for that. That's how I found you. Very good. And uh, I certainly, like I alluded to, was very happy that you did. I enjoyed myself immensely. It's a bit of a road movie, isn't it? So we, we were traveling a bit, which I really loved about it. Yeah, it was a journey story. Uh, the uh, Dad buys a car and they're uh, driving from New York. Uh, I forget, actually, was it like Detroit? Uh, I, I actually forget. Ohio? Uh, somewhere around there? Uh, it, it wasn't, oh, no, uh, I thought it was New York. Because the no. uh, okay, the the illuminated city footage is is dazzling. Uh, the nighttime city footage is great. I just assumed it was New York, but oh, they they start New York, but then they 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 drive yeah. north and they go they head uh, west and they go over to a neighboring. State. Oh, through through the Dakotas. Yes, Dakotas. That's what it was. Yes, I should probably yeah. know that. <laughs> I only know that because I've made the journey myself uh, from Toronto around the south side of the Great Lakes, through Chicago, uh, Wisconsin, all the way up through the Dakotas, and finally into Manitoba when I was driving up west. I have not done that. Uh, uh, let's, let's talk about your uh, players. Uh, in in the, the lead role, we have a wonderfully talented actress. Tell me a little bit about uh, her. her. Uh, Kaylin Turner, uh, we, we wanted uh, someone that was uh, younger and vulnerable, um, but old enough to be able to know what's happening in the story. And that was the trickiest part for sure is finding uh, talent that can uh, deliver the performance. Uh, and usually someone that is, you know, around the age of 15 or 16, you're not really uh, knowing what you're getting into. Uh, and we were lucky enough from the handful of people that we actually spoke to to find Kaylin. Uh, she, we gave her some pages and she did uh, a reading uh, video and sent it to us and when i saw it i instantly knew i, I had seen uh, a fair number before that uh and so she was the last one that we that we saw and as soon as we saw it, that was it all bets were off uh we had a strong feeling and my god this girl is absolutely fantastic you know she knew her lines uh she understood what was happening even though we, we shoot out of order and all the rest of it and this was her first feature film she uh, did not slow us down like we had other more senior actors uh, and I think you were there for a few of them that uh, we had issues with. We had to recast uh, one or two people along the way and reshoot things. Um, they just couldn't keep up with her. No, honestly, they, they, they couldn't. Uh, and she just shined. She just really shined. She's the best part of the movie. I have to say, I, I feel bad for saying that because you're right in front of me now. Cause you, <laughs> but I mean, she was fantastic. And then, yeah, I, I agree. And then Simon, Simon Phillips plays the dad. Uh, yes. And he has red hair and she has red yeah. hair. So it really sells, doesn't it? Match made in heaven. Yeah, it was perfect. But I mean, there were other reasons that Simon was cast. Uh, tell me a little bit about Simon. Uh, I've been working with Simon for about three or four years now. Uh, we've uh, done a number of different television shows that uh, are his projects. Uh, I've been the director of photography on Age of the Living Dead, a uh, new show that's uh, we're just finishing. We're trying to finish now, uh, amongst the pandemic. We still have a couple of more days of filming, uh, Killing the Cure. Uh, we've shot uh, a pilot, Ellie, uh, for a, a six-part series. It's a show shot in one take. 
and uh, Simon Phillips is, uh, comes with Paul Tancher. They come hand in hand. Paul Tancher is the director of Age of Living Dead. Um, and Simon normally uh, is a producer at all, all these shows, but is also uh, normally the, the, the lead actor or one of the main characters. And uh, I, I met him uh, through a strange circumstance many years ago. Uh, he asked me to make a music video for somebody. We did that, and that's how we met. And uh, I've been working with him ever since. Can't say enough about that guy. He's he's uh, definitely one of my heroes. He's a, he's a, he's a fantastic gentleman. Uh, that was a lot of fun working with him, especially in that uh, showdown scene towards the climax of the film. Uh, really enjoyed it, despite the frigid temperatures that we had to endure. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was the last day of principal photography. We had been shooting. <laughs> it was a very tight, very tight schedule. But we shot over 11 or 12 days, I think. I think that was like the 12th day. And we shot yeah. in the fall in Ontario, northern Ontario, for most of it. And, uh, yeah, the weather turned on a dime, especially like we shot. It was like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning that night, I think it was. Uh, we barely Yeah, we light. went late, for sure. Yeah, it was uh, a bit of a shit show, but uh, it all turned out nice, so that's good. It sure did. Uh, there, there was a real dynamic, and it was very necessary, between uh, Kalen and Simon uh, for the nature of, of the story itself. Can you express uh, a little bit of that chemistry and how it found its way into the into the motion picture? Okay. Yeah, the, their on-screen time is like 80% of the movie. Uh, so their interactions with each other were crucial. And we shot the movie mainly in order, uh, as much as we possibly could. And I think that really worked to our advantage, uh, where... Things unfolded in the movie the way they actually did in reality with Simon and Kalen. Um, we did not meet face to face with Kalen until like two days before filming. She lives in Kingston, a couple hours away from Toronto, uh, and we started filming in Toronto. So when her uh, her mom was on set, uh, Lisa, lovely, lovely woman, can't say enough fantastic things about her mother. She was super fantastic on the set. Uh, but anyway, they did not come up. Uh, so about two days before we actually began filming and uh, the opening of the movie, uh, the very first thing you see in the trailer for the movie is, is uh, uh, Simon rough handling uh, Kalen and we don't really know who these people are at this point or, or why. And it was very rough and Kalen had to be very mean to him. And for the first like chunk of the movie, that's basically that their dynamic. And then there's kind of a turning point as you would expect uh, throughout the movie where their bond became a little closer. There's a, a scene where uh, Simon had to cut Kaylin's hair and we actually did cut her hair and that was a bit of a thing. Um, and that scene that we shot was kind of like <laughs> why we, we never really planned it out. We just basically had Simon cut her hair, but they were both in character the whole time. And at around that time, uh, their attitude towards each other kind, kind of, it, it takes a sharp turn, uh, becomes very sweet uh, for the remainder of the film. And, that kind of happened in reality where they didn't know each other. They were kind of, we shot that, that first alley scene where the, uh, Simon was dragging right over house basically. Um, and then it leads up to them uh, slowly be having a relationship and becoming a real uh, father and daughter. Uh, lo lovely story. And that chemistry was crucial for the film to work. And Oh my God, we just lucked out uh, so immensely with both of, well with uh, Simon's a great actor he's been act he's a British actor been acting for for, for uh, a couple of decades now and 
uh, yeah, he's okay, I guess. But uh, Kaylin was the, <laughs> the big question mark, and uh, she really just blew us all away. I think that really shows in the film. Man, the thing that really strikes me about the picture is the uh, the the human story, and it's played so well. As I have read some uh, bad reviews about acting on uh, the internet movie database, and they are completely unfounded simply because of the political views of the people making the reviews, because it is that kind of galvanizing picture uh, coming out at election time, which was part of the plan, uh, no doubt, to garner some publicity for the picture itself uh, and, and to make people think before they cast their ballot down yep. south, right? Uh, so so I, what I'm, I want to say is that, man, they really nailed it. And like you said, they, they hit it out of the park right from the start. And you really invest in what's happening right from go. So um, I just had to get that off my chest. I really wanted to say that. And it's, I'm proud to have worked with them in this yeah, picture well, and you. But it's, it's a really yeah, good yeah, picture. No, like, we're all happy with it. And obviously, listen, it's a low-budget movie. And... It, uh, when people see this on Amazon Prime, like it's being compared with the, the latest Hollywood, Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime, uh, you know, the big movies, the, the biggest movies that are now being released uh, streaming now because of this COVID thing. And that's so you're automatically put into uh, comparison with these bigger, you know, pictures that have millions of dollars and not tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, so it, it's, a, you know, that's an interesting part of the whole thing. But the, the other side of it is obviously... Uh, this is a very uh, galvanizing movie in the United States. Uh, somehow Trump still has supporters. I don't know how that's possible, but I mean, sure enough, he, he definitely does. So, of course, those people are not going to like this movie uh, and call it, you know, like liberal dribble and all the rest of it, which was we totally expected. We totally knew that. I, f I find the, the comments are some of them are really like vulgar and disgusting. Uh, we can't do anything about, about that, taking them down. Just like really, if you read them, they're pretty gross. But like just how, uh, you know, this is impossible and there's no way that this could be a thing that could happen in the future. Uh, well, I, I think, if anything, the one thing that we didn't do enough of is to create a more dystopian world is my biggest regret in making this film. Because remember, I had the idea in 2018 when they were putting kids in cages, uh, you know, one of Trump's original sins. Uh, and that's where the idea came from. It's like, what if he never leaves office? You know, and, you know, a few people were saying that back in 2018, but now, you know, we all realize that this is baked into the cake with him, um, that my one regret is that we didn't show a much bleaker world. And maybe if we had more money, we would have been able, we would have been able to think that through and, and do that. Uh, because, uh, you know, saying that this could never happen, I mean, does anyone have eyes and ears and cannot see what has happened the past four years with this guy? Uh, I mean... Uh, I don't know how, even if you support him, how you can't be concerned with, you have no fucking idea what this man is capable of and what he's going to do next. Yeah, I would agree that uh, unpredictability is certainly part of his makeup in that office, uh, undoubtedly. I just really have to defend the picture, though, because I think it's a wonderful picture if you're a big enough person to separate the politics from the project it moves well it's written well it captures your heart uh 
and, and the reviews that we get on the positive side of things, uh, people are throwing around words like um, genuine and honest and sincere, which for me, I don't care if anybody uh, notices me at all. If I hear those words attached to a project that I'm a part of, I'm a happy camper. And man, uh, that's probably the best compliment. Yeah, and, and the... the uh, and the, I just, and the reviews are very like it's either you know we, we gave it uh, anywhere from an eight to a ten, or you know it gets a one, and you know I hope you all, I hope you all die is basically <laughs> the, the message. So I mean, like the only thing that we have, Michael, uh, making independent film, is sincerity uh, and is a story, uh, because we, we don't have the gazillions of dollars that you know the the others have to make big budget things, and you can make things. Well, for a budget that was conceivably less than uh, $400,000, I'm guessing, it looks beautiful. And for me, there are so many uh, visually stunning moments, not even going to the score, which is terrific. Uh, it really brings some big production value to the picture. And I think specifically of uh, one scene comes to mind where mother and daughter meet in this. It's so beautiful, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, that was funny. That uh, that's that scene was a bit of a dispute between me and one of the producers uh, about whether or not we should do it. Uh, I remember that shoot it. We filmed it on that day. I filmed. I, I really. We're going to ruin a big part of of the whole thing if we really talk about this. I don't even know if we should talk about it. But uh, yeah, okay. Anyway, talking about how that looked pretty. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, like Ontario is a beautiful place, especially in the fall. So, I mean, like, really, as an independent filmmaker, we, we, we only have so much money to do this in time. I mean, this entire movie was shot over, like, 15 days uh, over the course of two years. Uh, uh, maybe 20 days uh, in total. But all, like, all we have is, uh, you know, uh, the ability to try to make it as pretty as we possibly can um, and, and have a genuine story with real actors. So, I mean... You know, they say uh, eighty percent of your movies uh, directed already after you do the casting, um, and I believe, like, I mean, if you have good actors that know their lines and can uh, hit their mark and give a convincing performance, um, I mean, you're you're so far ahead, and you really notice that too when the days that you don't have that, where you have a bad actor who who can't do their job uh, correctly, and you you realize how it all quickly falls apart. Tell me about some of those locations because it's just a beautiful, beautiful story and um one one scene that comes to mind is is when the daughter and and the mother meet in the woods it's so lovely uh well we shot all the city scenes uh, that were taking place in new york really uh in downtown toronto uh we shot a little bit in kingston uh i think 80 percent of the movie was shot in northern ontario in orillia uh and it was in the fall and it was just you know the perfect backdrop for a, a great road story uh, we really lucked out with with all of it. We found some locations like on the day. Uh, there's a great scene where uh, Simon and Kaylin uh, are on a dock, and it's supposed to be a dock that uh, it was Mom's favorite place to go. And it's absolutely beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful sequences in in the movie. And we literally were driving down a road in Algonquin, looking for a spot to shoot the scene. And uh, the, the PA said, oh, what's down this little side street? And uh, we drove down and found this amazing spot. There was nobody around. And we, uh, we, we shot that scene there. And it worked out fantastic. But yeah, we're really lucky out with the location. Ontario is a great place to film. It's why it's Hollywood North, right? That's right. 
I really enjoyed myself because I think I had maybe <laughs> one of the best parts to shoot that particular project because I had uh, a day or two off in between my scenes and I would take advantage of that by uh, researching some new place to hike. And uh, I really had a great look around uh, some of those wonderful, wonderful places. When all is said and done, what do you hope people get out of this? You know, that's a good question. You know, really, I expect nothing, really, first of all. Uh, but, I mean, if it was able to convince, like, 2016 was decided by, like, 70,000 votes. And, you know, if, if, if I had a part that changed two people's minds and it had, you know, and it went into the right direction, and let's be frank, the right direction is this guy is no longer the president of the United States. Uh, that if I had anything to do with make, helping make that happen, uh, that's that's really it. Like, you know, this is my first feature film. I haven't had the gumpture to. I've been filming for a long time, but I I haven't had the gumpture, or nor the opportunity to make my own feature film. And you know, I, I knew this was a low budget thing, and I I, I knew it was gonna. I mean, like I was the director of photography as well as the director on this. Uh, it was all shot with my own production gear. Like the level of work that goes into a small budget like this, the, the few people that are there, you know, they really uh, have to give their all, like more than 100%. And you know that you've been on set many times with us, you know exactly what that means. Uh, and all that energy, man, I tell you, if I can convince two people that, you know, maybe vote for Joe Biden or just don't vote for Donald Trump, that'd be all, all worth it. The whole thing would be worth it. Excellent. It's really funny uh, for me because I'm in a unique position uh, politically. Uh, my opinion doesn't count for anybody, uh, but I just look at the whole situation and I think either way, the United States is, uh, there's no choice to me. I'm just like, I, I get the unpredictability of oh, anyway. I, it terrifies me. Like you know, no matter what, even if he does, I mean, like, first of all, there's a good chance that he might win. Donald Trump might win. I mean, like, like, you know, like I find the media is talking the way that they did in 2016 with, you know, 90 percent chance Hillary Clinton's going to win. And look what happened. Uh, Absolutely. I don't know, man, if, if, if he gets four more years, I, 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 the wheels are going to come off. We're looking here in Canada, you know, look, we share a border with this country. If anything, we're going to make a giant border wall to separate ourselves from these crazy people that don't seem to care that there's a, 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 a very contagious virus that can kill a lot of people. You know, we're up here in Canada trying to do everything right, minus maybe Quebec. Uh, but we're tr we're trying really hard, and our numbers are nowhere near what they were, what what they are for the United States. And at some point, those those borders are going to be opened up. Who do we want to be the president of the United States? I mean, if it's mm -hmm. Donald Trump, I mean, this virus is never going to go away. That's just one of a million reasons why that guy has to go. That's just one of a million. But as a Canadian, but my personal investment is. You know, I'd like to be able to walk out of my house at some point in the next two years without a mask. And the odds of me being able to do that, being so close to the border, are, are very, very small if that guy is the president again. Yeah, those are uh, valid points, certainly. And uh, it leads me to address this alternate point. What do you feel about people from the United States who say to a group of Canadians who've made a picture about their country in the future... And, and at a, a politically sensitive time, uh, just preceding an election, wh what do you say to those that would say, it's none of your business, buddy? 
get your nose well, out of this. What is your response I would say to that? Stop being a little pussy snowflake is probably what <laughs> I would say. Oh, no, you're saying something I don't want to hear. You made a movie about something I don't like. Oh, like, who cares? I don't, who gives a shit what you think? You know, I live in a free country. You live <laughs> in a free country. We're allowed to, you know, if we want to fantasize what 10 years from now is going to be like in a movie, I mean, no one's going to tell me that I can't do it. You know, and yeah, and, and ultimately, and, and not only that, too, we're interfering with American politics. You don't seem to mind when Russia does it. You know, you, 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 yeah. you know, you know, you know, Trump's <laughs> in bed with this uh, Putin guy. Like, you, you, you like if 3% of everything he's accused of is true, holy shit. Sorry, I get worked up. And I would say this I would say this the United States has never hesitated to uh, make comments about what we're doing up here federally. Oh, it's not like, you know, the United States has never interfered with uh, another country uh, election or anything like that. But anyway, I mean, anyway, we, all, we, we live in free countries. We're allowed to do this. You know, and to me in 2018, when I saw him putting kids in cages, like that was enough for me to have this idea. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to have an idea. It's another thing to actually make a movie, uh, even if it's low budget, if anything, the fact that it is low budget it makes it a million times harder that, you know, I felt so strongly about this that, you know, I spent two years putting this together. And that takes, you know, uh, a lot of very focused energy to make that happen. And I, you know, and I'm allowed to do it just as they're allowed to go make whatever movie or documentary they want to make it look uh, whatever the hell they want to make it look like. You know, Trump's fantastic. Yeah, man. Uh, and I congratulate you because for me, the story is the thing. The play is the thing. And uh, just like Shakespeare said, a story of human drama, despite the political backdrop, it's just a beautiful story and, and well done, sir. Uh, what does the future hold for Jamie Bailey? Uh, do you have your eye on any new scripts? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, this is definitely going to be the first. Uh, I mean, I, I have uh, I have things in development, and this uh, the one thing that COVID has given me is the opportunity to really sit down and kind of really figure out what the next moves are, and to really put some time in because that's all we have right now is time. Uh, to put some time into really crafting new ideas and figuring out a way. Uh, we live in an exciting time for independent film. Like, there's always new technology coming out, new cameras and lenses and steady cams and drones and all the rest of it. That uh, I've been really focusing on, you know, what's the next idea? What are we going to do? How are we going to, and how we're how we're going to make it? How are we physically going to make it? Because, uh, you know, this was my first feature film. I I, I want to just keep going. I want to keep making stuff. Whether it be, uh, I've made documentaries in the past. Uh, this was my first feature. Uh, I would like like to make TV series, uh, as well as additional movies. That is the plan. So yeah, I mean. That's the one great thing about the whole COVID situation is that, you know, in theory, it's great you have the time to really sit down and kind of think things out and, um, and, and to write and whatever. But the other side of it, too, I have to say, is that it's crippling. Uh, and it's, uh, there seems to be like an expectation that you, you, can, you can do these fantastical great things during this time. But uh, it is very hard to exist right now. I don't know if you're finding the same thing. This is not really related to the movie, but just life in general in 2020, the second shut, shutting down and where we're at right now, it's uh, it's a depressing time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you just have to face the music uh, each and every day and remind yourself that there is something 
worth doing and that uh, you you can't uh, trap yourself in those moments of, of uh, too much uh, reflection on the current situation. Always look to the future. And I think your motion picture certainly helped me do that when I watched it for the first time. And, uh, you know, the imagination is a wonderful thing. And just think of all the creativity that's going to come out of this particular period in, in human history, not only here in Canada uh, or North America, but the yeah, world absolutely. over. No, it's, uh, it's, a, and it's definitely like a very interesting time. And it just, I think all of this, it just, it's too, there's too much. It's just like, you know, you turn on the, the news or you go on Twitter or whatever. And it's just like, just, could you just for a day, just stop. It's I, I, I miss the days when you know you have the news on in the background and it was boring shit that meant, you know, little. But now it's like every day. Yeah. Every day. It's too much. I think it everyone feels that way. It's just it's too much. And I think that is gonna shape what content is made in the future. That uh, it's gonna be there's gonna be a reaction to this. Um, and I think uh, a lot of content that's gonna be made is gonna somehow reflect this. Um, it's interesting. People in the industry like they don't want content with masks. Uh, they don't. They don't want to have content that is uh, in this world. Uh, they want stuff that is uh, escapism, and that is uh, <laughs> one of the big problems now too. Like we uh, we uh, we built a four thousand square foot uh, uh, set that's enclosed, and we can't film in it because of COVID. Uh, like the order to get insurance, like the shit that you have to do is insane uh and i guess we're all kind of just wondering when that's going to stop like when that's going to go away like it, you know when the big flu happened in 29 or 1919 uh 1920 uh you know like we had something that was comparable to this that i don't think many of us heard about until this one came along and and then it went away and it went away and apparently everyone kind of forgot about it <laughs> because we never heard about it growing up uh so is this virus that where it's just going to go away next year or is this going to be like you know the flu and there's going to be a different version of it or it's it's so contagious that it never fully goes away like what what what's the world gonna look like two years from now like what's gonna look like next year what's gonna look like five years from now like i don't think i think we all live in a world where we have no idea nobody knows nobody yeah. knows i think at some point however that you just have to put your chin to the wind and walk through it. Uh, and you have to live your life. So when that point arrives, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, I certainly see the value in cutting your losses and just saying, we, we just have to move forward now. Yeah, but like, I, I don't know what that means. Like, I, I don't know, like the dated downtown Toronto, like I'm, I'm looking at Spadina and Fort York right now. Uh, it's, you know, it's a big city. Like how do people in large cities exist with uh, a virus? Will there be more viruses? Uh, you know, does this one ever go away? All very, very happy stuff to think about, really. I think I'm getting a little depressed actually as we're talking about this. But, but I mean, it's a big deal like for, for work. I mean, for everybody, it's a big deal. Like for us in our, in our world, you know, we're trying to figure out how do we make the next thing? Like, and, and we don't have people with masks in it. As the big thing that we're hearing back from the industry, like we don't want content that reflects this. Like I said, so like, how do you do it? Like, how how do you just how do you just move forward and just do it anyway? Like that's the thing that I don't think anyone really anyone has grasped. Like when you hear the horror stories of like 
Jurassic World. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but like they spent like five million dollars on uh, COVID safety or whatever, and then they had an outbreak. Uh, the Batman got shut down. Uh, like, like right. if they can't do it, I mean, what hope uh, do the rest of us have that we can figure it out? Uh, like, I, I have friends that are making uh, Christmas movies and uh, like the two, <laughs> two main actors, the, the, you know, the boy and girl love interest, whatever. They can't kiss. They can't touch. Right. <laughs> so it's like... And they're like literally cheating it like through camera angles and stuff like that. And I saw a clip on TV of a soap opera, I think it was in the States, where the actor was literally making out with a mannequin. Wow. <laughs> and the camera wow. was you know, on his face, <laughs> his front, whatever. And then he's literally like making <laughs> a mannequin. Like it's that, you, you know, they're, they're, it's a soap opera. So maybe, maybe, you know, the rules are a little bit less uh, stringent with them. But uh, like, holy God, like what a world we live in now. Like, how do we how do we do this? Is the big thing. Like I haven't heard anyone with a straight answer yet. We're just gonna have to break the rules and go underground, Jamie. Well, yeah, I think that's it. You know, I think we'll have to have a chat about that when we get off this. Uh... Very good. Well, thanks so much, Jamie. I wish you the best, and I know I will be seeing you some sometime soon. Yeah. Michael, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure as always. I miss your face. Cannot wait to see you again. I cannot wait to work with you again. Thanks for having me.